Okay, so I am just waking up and I am still in the same situation. <sighs> Realizing I have to do something about this. So ever since I was younger, one of my favorite memories was when my dad took me and my brothers and sisters to the carnival or state fair. They didn't come around a lot, not in our neighborhood, in Cleveland, Ohio, when we were younger. So it was just so amazing to me and such a treat when I would walk home from school and I would see it set up like for at least a week that year. I was in like the second grade and my dad, he was working and when he wasn't working, he was at home watching the games. He always loved the games. So every day that week, he had watched the games every night. The state fair was only open for three hours every night and he promised to take us on Sunday, and the game was on on Sunday. Now, I didn't think it was a big deal because I said he'd been watching the games every night, every week. I mean, every night, every day this week, and I know that he loved the games, but, you know, this day for only come around ever so often, and I hope that, you know, I know that he'll take us. I really want to go. So... You know, it came the day he promised to take us, and he really, really had to see the game. He was like, hold on, let me catch this game. And he was sitting, and he was watching the game, and he was like, come on, we, it's okay, we're going to go. I'm like, come on, Dad, come on, Dad. He's like, we're going to go, we're going to go. But he would keep standing in front of the TV to watch the game, and I felt like, why does he need to see this game so bad? he been here every day this week, but... You know, this today he promised to take us and he still won't get up from his seat from watching this game. What is so good about these games? What is it that he's seeing today that he didn't see yesterday or the day before? I didn't realize that it was the Super Bowl and this was Browns. And this was a year that Browns was actually doing good. And that was really common in Cleveland because Browns, you know, hadn't been doing good since the 80s and, you know, just didn't come around often. So... I was so upset with him for waiting and waiting and waiting, but he finally got away from the game, and he ran us down to the state fair, and by the time we got there, it was only like 30 minutes left, I think. I don't don't know how much time was left, but I just know that it was the end of the state fair. Most of the rides were down and being shut down, but at least I got to go. It was this food truck that used to stay Outside the state fair for homeless people, they used to serve soup and everything. He got us food. I used to love getting hot soup from this this food truck, even though it was for the homeless people. You know, when we got back, my dad was hoping he could catch the rest of the game, but he missed the end of the game. And I don't remember if we won or we lost, but he was so upset that he missed it. I was so upset that I missed the state fair. But I was still just so happy, you know, to have a dad who could take me. I was so happy to even go. And... 
you know, even had a suit from a homeless people truck, you know, that everybody else just always say, don't eat there, don't eat at that truck, you know. I was still just so happy. Now, this is one of my favorite memories because I feel like it's so much involved in this memory. It's, you know, sacrifice on both ends. I didn't really get to meet, I didn't really get to have fun at the fair or ride, any of the rides, and that was the whole point of going, but I still was happy that I made it. My dad didn't get to see the rest of the game, but he did get to see the beginning, and he was really upset that he missed the rest of the game, but I could just imagine how he was still happy to, you know, take us to the fair because he loved us so much that he sacrificed that for us. So I didn't realize, you know, that these stories meant anything to anybody. I mean, I would tell these stories a lot, but, you know, nobody would really listen in this situation, it seemed like this stuff, even though they mean so much to me, you know, a lot of times just don't mean anything to people in this situation who are after, you know, gains and power and revenge. So I still I still keep hoping and I still hold on to the fact that it's going to mean something. It's going to matter to somebody. And one day they're going to listen you know, and they're going to understand what I understand about it, that family is all that matters and love is all that matters. And when it comes down to it, we might not have had everything. We struggled. A lot of us are upset about the things we did not have. But when it came down to it, we had each other and that's really all that matters. And these times teach you what's most important in life and what is most important to hold on to. It's not about growing up and getting everything that you never had. It's about appreciating what you always had, things that mattered the most. So I tell them this story all the time, and I don't think that they listen, but I I just still say it, you know, because it makes even me keep hope every day that we can all come back around and realize that we love each other, we need each other, and there's nothing in this world worth missing out on family for nothing and at the end of the day what I realized is you know it doesn't feel like to me it hasn't felt like to me alone for a while in my in my life with my my people that these things were important or that they mattered these sentimental things that I hold close to my heart or hold dear to my heart that they would even move anybody so I really didn't used to talk about it I just used to keep it close to my heart but now I realize I use it all the time because sometimes it takes even though you have to appreciate what you always had sometimes it takes for new people to come around and start to appreciate the things you have to offer so I see that I understand that the prophecy states that my family would never accept me but it feels like, you know, the people around me, they're somehow accepting this and seeing the beauty in this and the wonderfulness and the things that I appreciate. And they're seeing the magic in it. They're seeing the power in, of God in this, even when my family can't appreciate it. And the fact of the matter is, maybe they never will appreciate me or accept me. But, you know, it also can take sometimes new people coming around to accept you and appreciate you for your family to somehow appreciate you or just start to see the magic in you, even if it's not the way they should, even just a little bit. So I woke up to me telling this story and I can hear 
kids saying, tell the story about the state fair. Tell the story about the state fair. And, you know, I hear that everyone's crying. Everyone's crying. So I don't really want us to cry. I, I think that story is really a story of happiness. But sometimes it can make you cry when you think about the things surrounding it. And the things that are surrounding it is that possibly me and my family, we have lost sight of these re- really these precious moments in life that really we should hold more dear to our hearts than a billion dollars, all the money in the world. But instead, you, we think that, no, I trade that off. You know, for a, a nice car, a lot of money, a big popularity, so I could be like, you know, Beyonce, Drake, or Jay Z. And at the end of the day, we we fail to realize that if Satan is really willing to take that for a billion dollars or all the money in the world, then why would you ever believe that it's not worth so much more? Why would you ever believe that these priceless moments are not worth so much more? How could you fail to see? How important and how beautiful it is when Satan does it. So maybe people have their own perspective on it. But what I have picked up on, if I'm not mistaken, is that he is, you know, trading off memories. Satan is trading off good memories for in, re, in exchange for the things that they want, like revenge or money or power. Now, that doesn't seem right to me. It's like it seems so obvious. It's like so obvious. You know, why would Satan want to, you know, your good memories? Why would he want everything good in life? Because everything good in life or everything good in your life, no matter how much you've suffered or how bad you think you've got it, is God. Everything good is God. Love. God is love. So Satan wants all the good in your life. He wants all the love in your life. And you cannot trade that off thinking that whatever it is that you're getting is more valuable to you. It can never be. So I try to remind my family of this because no matter what the prophecy states, I believe we can be saved. We can be saved. We can make it out of this. We don't need to take these opportunities to get back at each other or to somehow, you know, scratch some sort of itch inside of us that's wanted revenge or that's wanted power or that's wanted money or that's wanted attention our whole lives because the grass always looks greener on the other side, but it isn't. The grass is greener where you water it. And at the end of the day, there's so many people out here in this world who has who has had money, attention, power their whole lives. And they will die or kill in order to be in your position and have family and love and good memories and appreciation for life in itself. Appreciation for the people around them. You can't switch places with them. You wouldn't want to trade that for the world. They They would tell you that. Oftentimes, it's very hard to see that, though. So I understand both ends. That being said, we finally experiencing that on another level in our life right now. We're finally experiencing that there are people who wish they had what we had. Like we thought nobody would ever wish they had struggle and, you know, lights going out and CPS showing up and no water and no food and living in the hood and barely barely making it past, you know, all stuffed into a two-bedroom apartment, like six or seven of us missing Christmases, you know, just not having a lot. Nobody will wish they had that. 
But now we see that you have to find a beauty in everything that you have. And there are people who wish that they'd have that instead. This is a dangerous game that we play. Even when we don't see how dangerous it is when we're playing it. It's very dangerous. So right now my family is in a situation right now. Where we're trading these things off for money. We're trading these things off for power. We're trading these things off for fame. And it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's absolutely not worth it. And you can never gain that from Satan. You can never gain anything from Satan. Because the the bad thing about Satan is he knows exactly what you have. And he will never tell you the value in it. Because if you can't see the value in it on your own, if you can't trust God when he tells you the value in the things that you have, why would Satan give you free game? Why would he tell you? He's not going to tell you all the value in the things that you're trading off. And then by the time you realize it's too late, you have to appreciate what you have now no matter how hard it is. So I'm doing everything in my power to do that now. Instead of realizing that later when it hurts so much more. God has placed so much inside of us. We just have to appreciate what we have. Because the fact of the matter is, no matter how hard it is to accept, things can always be worse. I'm having to see that right now in the situation that I'm in. I'm thinking, what can be worse than losing your family? What can be worse than losing the love, the good memories, and the things that matter the most in life, despite everything else you've overlooked because you wanted to appreciate things like God told you to and you follow the truth and you know he's the truth and you know that is the truth and you still lose it all anyways. What can be worse than that? What's worse than that? It's not understanding things can be worse or ever losing sight of that despite what you have to go through. So... This is where we are. And I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm nobody. Maybe I'm just another believer. Most likely, I'm just another believer, you know, with the truth in me. A hunger and thirst for the truth. And God is just using me as a vessel in order to lead his people out of the darkness to see what's more important, what's more valuable him than anything in this world. So that's most likely what we're dealing with. But why does it feel like when we're offered a million dollars or a couple million dollars or a nice car or a nice trip or a nice, you know, a person that really isn't no good for us, but just has everything. Look, the looks just looks like we want everything that they have. You know, why does it feel like these things are really so much more valuable than what we already have? You know, I still have yet to figure that out, really. The grass is green on the other side, but, you know, I don't understand that. I appreciate what I have, even though I still understand what it's like to long for more, long for different things. But these times are very difficult and very hard because... You don't want to lose something. Never appreciating what you had. And then realizing when it's too late. You don't want to do that. And 
this advice always seems so boring and cliche from our elders. Growing up, they say, appreciate what you have when you got it. And the grass is always greener on the other side and things can always be worse. You know, embrace what you have. And we always, you know, say, yeah, whatever. You know, you of course, you're going to say that you don't understand what I'm going through. You don't understand what it's like. You don't understand this. You don't understand that. You don't understand why I did what I did. You don't understand me. But this advice is so vital. This is wisdom. This is what wisdom is. Wisdom is not necessarily knowledge or intelligence. Wisdom is experience. This is wisdom. They've lived through this. They know better. They've gone through that stuff. They possibly hit that that road a million different times having to turn around and end up at square one. You don't want it that way. Learn from somebody else's experiences. You don't have to go down the wrong road. You don't have to hit your head that many times. You don't have to. You can't avoid this. You can learn right now and you can end up better off than they were. Like the reason why they told you because they want you to end up better off than they did. We have to learn from our elders. That is a big problem in our community as well too because we don't have a sense of community anymore. You ever heard it takes a village? It takes a village to raise a child, which means that we are all supposed to be looking out for each other. We're all supposed to be keeping our eyes open and taking care of each other. We're not supposed to be like strangers. We are a community. The Lord has built us up in this way. So when we're not using our resources and other people and all the things that they have learned with their experiences and the things that they've gone through, what we are ending up at is square one. I've always thought it was so messed up how how many people in the world has possibly gone through exactly what you're going through right now and they had to learn the hard way on so many different things, but you still got to learn the hard way. I always thought that was so messed up, but you don't have to. You just got to talk to them. You got to listen. You got to trust wisdom, trust truth. So the Lord has given me wisdom and I've heard, you know, recently a lot of people you know, mixing that up with knowledge or intelligence or genius. And yes, I believe that I'm genius. The Lord has told me I'm genius. You know, a lot of us are. But a lot of people say, well, I'm smarter than you. So how could the Lord give you wisdom? And if the Lord gave you wisdom and that's wisdom and I'm smarter than you, then maybe I don't believe in the Lord's power. And the fact of the matter is wisdom is not knowledge. Not necessarily. It is knowledge, but it's not what you think. Wisdom does not mean, you know, I'm smarter than everybody. Wisdom is experience. Wisdom is wisdom. So he has given me wisdom. And when it comes down to it, maybe it won't look like I'm the smartest person in the world or that I got it all figured out. And so that makes you want to doubt God, but never doubt God because of me. Never doubt God because of these people, you know, trust him. You have to trust God. And I'm so blessed to have wisdom as well, too. Because at the at the end of the day, you know, he may have given me something that it would have taken a thousand years for people to get or understand or have. And he gave that to me, you know, by his power. I'm so blessed to have it. Other people think other things are important. This is the most rich thing you could have in the world is wisdom. And now we see that 
now that I am battling all these different forces, now that we are battling all these different forces in this world that would love to take that away from me. You got people around you offering you million-dollar contracts to be on top of the world, you know, just to take me out or to take something like that away from me. You don't see the value in it. We got to be smarter. So we need to stick together. We need to make it out of this, and we need to never lose sight of what is most important, which is each other. So, well, actually the Lord first. After that, each other. So, that being said, you know, I woke up to that and I'm just like, man, I can see that, you know, I haven't been accepted because as much as I've been, you know, this way, as long as I've been this way, nobody has ever truly appreciated it. Or ever really saw the value in it. I did. I knew the value in it. But, you know, now I can start seeing the appreciation and the value in that. And why is it so surprising for me to be finally appreciated? Because I haven't been that before. I haven't been accepted. So, as I said, maybe I never will. Like the Lord said, not by my family at least. But he will always provide what you need. You have to be appreciative of what you have first. So here we are. And no, nobody's going to steal my destiny. Nobody's going to steal anything from me that the Lord has given me. Nobody's going to be able to do that. They may torture me for it. They may torture my family for it. They may turn my family against me. They may, you know, try and hurt me at every angle with everything that they do. But they will never be able to take nothing God has given me. Excuse me, not even borrow it. Because they want me to believe, oh, we're borrowing this. We have it, we're using it, and you have to get it back. You're not getting it back. No, not even that. These are lies. So this is deception. And the fact of the matter is, you know, God has our back. He has our back. He will never leave us stranded, ever. And I was thinking earlier, after watching... You know, the word of the Lord from this video, from this woman who looks like the future, my Lord, that, you know, God has shown me. I was sitting there thinking, you know, it's all my fault. I am to blame. And it has to be this rough and this hard on me because I have to get right. And so I just have to suffer and that's just that and you know the Lord is being really hard on me and you know this I can't change anything about it and I just need to accept that this is a version of God that I am getting and you know he always catches me he always catches me before I fall he always does he's catching me right now because here I am starting to lose hope starting to lose hope in the fact that you know my God is a loving God He's a very loving God, and he would never want me to suffer. He would never want this for me. He would never want these things to happen. This is not God doing this. Satan is a liar. It's not my fault. No, it isn't. It is not our fault. So, I love how he's catching me right now, and he's right here saying, You are protected. You are covered. 
so is your family, so are your loved ones, and everybody else that you pray over, you pray for. My children are covered. So, earlier today, I saw this video of this little baby calf being pampered. And I said, this is how Jesus pampers his sheep. And I just heard a little bit of laughter. People thought it was funny. And I realized they're still around listening. They're still here. They still see what God is doing through me. They're still, you know, at attention. And that is God. Because when you believe you've fallen, when you believe you failed, when you believe that you are losing it, when you believe that you aren't doing what it is that God's called you to do, like you're making too many mistakes and you're not worthy, he shows you, I'm going to provide for you. Everything that you need, they are at attention. They know it's you. I made sure that you are still my vessel. You know, act accordingly. So, it just reminded me not to give up. Because a lot of times people, you know, after you have, God has provided the right audience for you, people are going to believe that you are doing this for the audience. Like you weren't doing this before you had an audience. And so oftentimes it's such a good reminder that, you know, especially on the days where you feel that you've lost the audience, that you're still who you are, you're still yourself. And they see like whether or not you believe that we're here, you are still this person. That's who God is going to raise up. You have to be that person for God. You think only God is watching. You think only God cares about these things. You're not doing it because people are looking. You're not changing when people aren't around. It's who you are. So, I was told this a while ago. And it was wisdom, and I knew it. But, you know, it just keeps being true. It keeps being true. And, you know, something that people always say to me, you know, have been saying to me for a while, like, this is such a good thing. Don't you see that it's you? There's nothing that you can do to mess this up, you know, and it's what you already have. It's what's already inside of you. You don't have to, you don't have to be somebody else. You don't have to do too much. You just have to be who God sent you to be, you know, and Embrace these times because one day you will miss these days. And I just, I keep saying, I can't possibly miss this torture. I can't possibly miss this stuff. And I used to say that about my life, you know, before I truly started being appreciative and grateful. Not that I was as appreciative or grateful as I could have been, but I used to say that, you know, young when I was younger. And now look, are the days that. I miss these days that I had, and I wish that I embraced them just a little bit more, even though I embraced them, because the Lord made sure I would have. Here is God being true and being right again. He's always right. He's always right. It never fails. I learned that years ago. It took me long enough, but when I was around 15 or 16 years old, I realized no, excuse me, when I was wrong, 18 years old, I realized that God is never, 
not going to be right. He's always right. No matter how crazy the stuff that he's telling you sounds, no matter how off it seems, no matter how much you think you know yourself, he's always right. Here he goes, being who, being the God he always is, never changing. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he cannot be beat. He is the Alpha and the Omega, and you cannot do this without him. You will always need him, always. Every single last one of us needs him. And at the end of the day, he's always right. So sometimes that's hard to digest. Other times it's easy. But he's always right. He's always right. I love him so much for it. I love him so much for it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you for always being right, never changing, being here for us all, always being the best, the greatest, and never being weak. Thank you for being love and trumping all hate. Like, just thank you. So... I love these moments. These are the moments I like to embrace. But as the Lord said, I need to embrace the hard times more than the good. You know, it feels like they're not coming around often enough right now. And maybe that is, you know, for a reason. It's obviously for a reason. It's so that I can embrace these times. So here we are. And the Lord says, do not envy the wicked. You know, do not envy these wicked acts. Earlier today, I caught myself almost envying the wicked. I said, you know, as I look at this woman who is fully covered, you know, I'm almost envious of the women who get to live a lifestyle of sin. They get to live a lifestyle of, you know, revealing skin, wearing heels and jewelry and, you know, in the spotlight with all the attention and you know I've I've learned better than that by now but the fact of the matter is that I never I never get to you know appreciate or experience that never and the Lord says do not envy the wicked if that is the life he's calling me to I need to accept that I need to be happy I need to embrace that I need to understand that that is you know, the pot of gold. That's the win. That's everything. So, a lot of people say, you just don't know how good you got it. And I hope that they are speaking of the right things. I hope that they are speaking of the things that the Lord has given me. Because if they're not, I'm not listening. Because... There was a time in my life where I would have envied me right now with all the disattention from all of these people or individuals that, you know, people idolize. But at the end of the day, none of that is important. None of it matters, really. None of it is really real. What's real is what you already have. So... 
I'm so grateful for God for instilling that in me, that wisdom to lead his people. And I do want to do this. I want to keep going. I want to never forget who my father is. The Bible says no one can snatch you out of the father's hands. And I want to know that. I want to be confident in that forever. So it's where I'm at, regardless of what I have to go through or what I'm dealing with. You know, I told myself earlier, things are not going to be like this forever. The Lord is going to help me find my way. And they're not going to be able to torture me forever. They're not going to be able to hurt me forever, no matter what it looks like. It's not going to be torture forever. I just have to allow the Lord to guide me. I have to trust him, put my 100% faith in him, and do what he says and be obedient to his word. And so... I'm headed in that direction. This is what I want. You know, despite the many people around me and whatever it is that they're doing or whatever it is I have to go through, whatever it is that they're up to, whether they never accept me or not, the Lord already has. It's going to work out. Another some other words of wisdom that I've received lately that it seems like are reoccurring you have to let people go and you also have to you know you have to move forward let people go and trust trust the seasons that you're in they will work out I was going to say something else. I forgot, but, you know, trust the seasons that you're in. They will work out. Let people go. Accept what it is. You know? I may be fighting right now so hard, you know, against these people who, you know, for some reason, they just have it out for me. For whatever reason, they just have it out for me. You know? And the Lord has sent me to fight them. He's using me as a vessel to fight this, and I may have to take all the hits, all the punches, and I may feel like a punching bag, but it's going to work out. It always does in the Lord. It always does. I cannot lose sight of what's most important. There are people who have everything else that I feel like or others may feel like is fulfilling in life, and they are unfulfilled. I have to find fulfillment in God. Solomon, he was given wisdom. And the only, his his biggest mistake, excuse me, not his only mistake, but his biggest mistake was failing to see or losing sight of the fact that fulfillment is only found in God. He wrote that in Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes has been screaming at me right now lately. You know, you don't always get bad for, bad for um being bad. And you don't always get good for being good. Sometimes you get bad for being good. Sometimes you get good for being bad. You know, it's not always what it looks like. And you're not supposed to be envious of other people's results. I'm seeing this. There are people around me. It seems like they are getting everything that it feels like I deserve for being everything that they're not supposed to be. But the Lord is taking care of me. I'm taken care of, and I just need to appreciate what I have. So, so do we all. 
is going to work out. Okay, so, excuse me. Lately, lately, i just been dealing with this peculiar situation that I spoke about already. And it just got out of hand. It feel like it's getting out of hand. Even though I trust God and I already know, you know, follow through with it. See it to the end. Do not doubt and do not doubt the Lord and and bringing me out of it and just figure it out. But it just, man, it's just been rough because I feel like I'm just giving over way too much of myself in order to see this happen. And I'm doing the best that I can not to because, you know, oftentimes you cannot trust the people who you are giving up. So everything that you work so hard for, for. But I can feel it. Like, I can really feel it. The Lord is like, you know, he's guiding me in this direction. And I can feel this. Like, I can really feel it. Even though I stayed away from it for so long because of the conversation that was surrounding it. The conversation was, you know, um, with two different individuals, which was Dirk and Gunna. With Dirk, the conversation was, you know, when you, <clears throat> when you ready to, you know, do this another way, and when you ready to, you know, go about it another way, let me know. And I could have been gone about it another way. Like I'm not. I don't know why, you know, a lot of people think that I'm scary, but I've been dealing with this my whole life. Ever since I was a little kid, you know, I've always been tough and I always knew like, you know, fighting, you can fight, you can learn how to fight. All you have to do to be able to be a good fighter is fight all the time. But the Lord led me away from fighting. He told me, you know, he showed me who I am. Like, I'm not a fighter. I'm not that person. I don't. I'm not a violent person. I can't, you know, I can't imagine bashing somebody head in, you know, in order to get back at them for what they did did to me. I'd rather just, you know, forgive and move on because, you know, you hold grudges, you start to build up anger, you start to get used to fighting and using violence to solve your problems and, you know, it weakens you. It's like you strengthen the one defense with this violence and fighting and pride and vanity, arrogance, popularity. But you weaken all the other ones, which is, you know, the strength and being able to walk away, forgiveness, you know, stability, you know, happiness, peace, all the good ones. So, you know, <clears throat> I never found happiness or joy in fighting people, so I will walk away. And the Lord has you know, revealed to me, not that I didn't already know, but the Lord has revealed to me more recently that, you know, it was, it was what it, what I thought it was the whole time. And I know that this will be the same thing as what I think it is, but, you know, I still feel so bad because, you know, I'm just, my whole life I've been praying for the people around me. My whole life I prayed for the people around me that I felt like, you know, gravitated towards violence. 
always pray for them because I already knew what that will bring in this world. It's a lot of people out here who are going to choose that easier route. It's a lot. That's the easier route to fight, to pick a fight, or to be violent all the time. That is the easier route in life. And it's a lot of people who's going to take that easier way out. And it's going to be people who got really way better than it at you. It's going to be people who are way more violent than you. It's going to be people who wanna, who can fight better than you. It's going to be people who are way more angrier than you, way more pride than you, way more vain than you, way more arrogance than you have. You will never win that game. Ever, ever, ever. So if you don't learn how to control yourself and learn discipline, you are going to run into the worst individuals. You know, my family used to always say, you go, you're going to meet your match. It doesn't matter how good you think you are in that area. You're going to meet your match. But it's past meeting your match. You're just going to run into a group of individuals who are so much worse than you are. And they will, you know, take everything you have. They will be able to control you by your attitude. They will be able to control you by your, you know, anger. They will be able to control you with your, you know, just by provoking you. All they have to do is, you know, puff up your pride. Like, say, you know, you can't fight that good or I'll beat you up or you don't know who you're messing with. And stuff like that. And then you just jump into action every single time blindly like a blind man. And, you know, the best the best words of wisdom I just got lately that I know the Lord led me to. He was leading me to him for a while. But it was, you know, it's it's easy to fight an angry, an angry blind man. All you have to do is get out of the way. All you got to do is get out of the way. You have to avoid these fights. When you're fighting people who are angry, who are violent, who think that that's the way to solve things, all you have to do is step out of their way. They're going to run right into, you know, their own, you know, fight, their own battle. They're fighting themselves every day, which we all are. But, you know, literally, like, I mean, quite literally, it's like step out the way they're going to run into a wall because they're not even looking at what they're doing. But, you know, regardless of any of the, like, I have a soft spot for that because, you know, my brothers and sisters are kind of like that. And I've always loved them regardless. And I've always prayed for them. And I've always did everything that I can to, you know, see the good in them regardless. And I think that that was a battle that the Lord wanted me to have and that it would play a big part. And who I will become later. And it's playing a big part in who I am and who I'm becoming. So, with this situation, like, I've just learned so much in the process. I saw an opportunity to extend that to somebody who who saw fit to extend a helping hand to me. Something that they learned. And I felt like, or, or good things about them. And I felt like, you know, regardless what people say about somebody or regardless of what they mostly are, you know, the good parts do still matter. So... I fight for the good in people. And in the process of this, you know, it's revealed a lot of different things. Like, what's the real reason why I'm being fought so badly out of the position that the Lord has placed me in? And a lot of the real reason that the people around me have a vendetta against me, not that I'm blind to it, but it's like sometimes love can blind you. 
sometimes love blinds you because it makes you feel like, you know, it makes you feel like, you know, love is all that matters and you can ignore everything else about somebody, no matter how bad it is. But I don't mind that more than pride. I would rather choose love than pride because with pride, it's like, you know, you can miss out on love because of pride. You can miss out on the best things in life, happiness, joy, peace, because of pride. But with love, you know, you don't always get the happiness. You don't always get the joy. You don't always get the peace, but you have a better chance at it. And I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it, even though I go through so much because of it. Of course, with love, there's heartbreaks and then there's, you know, always getting done wrong and stepped over and treated badly. But people always thought that I was scary. They thought that I was scary when I chose love instead. And it looks that way to people who have chosen pride. But, you know, I still have some of that in me because of being surrounded by it you know, growing up and having to overlook a lot of these different things, but not being able to always overlook the thing. So I would, you know, sometimes allow pride to get in the way with arguments and fights. And that is still in me and I'm fighting it every day because the Lord told me what to practice. And he said, what you practice, you know, you make perfect. And I practiced love and walking away, but I just didn't practice it enough. I wish that I had done it all the time instead of just most of the time or sometimes. So now I have this part of me that, that, you know, resonates with people who, you know, are battling that because I get it. I definitely get it. I get how hard it can be and I get, you know, how you see it that way. I get how you can see it that way. You know, I spend a lot of my time thinking, or seeing it that way, but I still chose the way I chose because I wanted to stay true to who I am. So it can be very difficult in this world, and it makes me sad. It really makes me sad right now because, man, I'm fighting so hard for these individuals, and I swear everything and everybody around me is just like, give up on them, give up on love. And everything inside of me is screaming, stay true to who you are. You know, go hard for what you know. It'll work out. It'll always work out for you in the end. And that's what I'm doing. But things have just gotten messy because it's like, you know, I'm feeling tortured. And I know that it's a tactic. It's a tactic of people who are puffed up by pride. I mean, when you can't fight in the the other way with discipline and forgiveness and you know walking away from situations then you have to fight with what you know and you have to you know puff up somebody's pride you got to provoke them to fight you you got to get them to you know rage quit or rage fight you or you know just things get out of hand and you're always weaker than the individual who can see more clearly because they are more disciplined or because they are not puffed up by pride as much or they are forgiving and they're willing to overlook something that you did. And I didn't, in the beginning of the situation, I didn't think it was a fair fight. I don't fight 
I don't like fighting on fair fights. I think that it takes away from, you know, the authenticity of who you are. Genuinely, I'm the kind of person that would want a fair fight either way. Like, I wouldn't even, you know, when it comes down to it, win, lose, or draw, I would want to have fight you fair. I don't cheat. I don't like cheating. You know, I don't like jumping people. I don't, I don't, I don't respect that at all. But, you know, it. that's just how people fight sometimes. And sometimes you're still going to have to fight people no matter what you're walking away from because of, you know, them, you know, intent on fighting you. And it looked like in the beginning, like, this should have never happened. This should have never happened. It could have been avoided. And maybe it could have because I think about past situations leading up to this point. And I realized that, you know, um, there were situations that I was advised to walk away from and they never rose again. Maybe they will later, but they hadn't. You know, and that's also something like a lot of people that I said I would never see again. I started to see them again now. And so I'm realizing, like, it really couldn't have been avoided. And, I'm, you know, I trusted God in that anyways when he said it. God said, you know, no, everything happens for a reason. If it's happening, it's meant to happen. And so I trusted him when he said that, you know. And I don't think it could have been avoided. If it could have been avoided, then it would have. But... I just didn't see it as a fair fight because when I analyzed the situation, I realized that these individuals, they are fighting for all the wrong reasons. And me, you know, I'm not always fighting for the right reasons. A lot of times I'm blinded by different things that I think is right and different things I'm working on. I'm not perfect. I have so much to do inside of myself and you know, in the process of trying to work on myself and be everything that I need to be for God, I I run into these situations and it's always interesting. But when it comes down to it, you know, I, you know, I already know how it ends. I already know how this ends, and it makes me extremely sad because I kind of even got a preview of what happens. It's like, in the beginning, I was given an opportunity to just fight, and I didn't feel like it was under the right circumstances, especially considering a lot of things that were going on, which, of course, on my end, where I am, with the people I'm, I'm around, it's also a lot of stuff going on, and it just didn't seem like a fair fight, and I was just like, hmm. No, I'm good. I don't really want to fight this battle like this because, you know, what it'll look like on my end is that I had something to prove and that I had pride because, you know, the way I do things, I don't, I'm not doing things that way. I'm not doing things, you know, because it's like, oh, yeah, you know, I know a lot of people don't like you and a lot of people want to see this happen to you. So I'm about to go ahead and take advantage of this opportunity. I really don't like doing stuff like that. But I've had to do things like that in this process because I almost haven't had a choice. Like, it's a lot of the people I'm surrounded by, a lot of the people that God has me fighting for. I've asked so many different times, like, God. And I don't want to blame everybody else because, obviously, you have to take responsibility for yourself. You know, you cannot succumb to peer pressure and then blame everyone else. 
But at the end of the day, you know, I've asked God, you know, God, why do you have me fighting this battle? Why do you have me fighting alongside people who do things like this or who participate in, in, in things like this, who act this way all the time? And, you know, the Lord hasn't given me a straightforward answer, but, you know, what it sounds like he's saying is the answer is you. You know, the answer is you, the heart that you have, and you're being used as my vessel. So, you know, be guided by me. And that's what I've been trying to do to the best of my ability. And I've just been running into different things. But as I said, with these two individuals, they were, you know, encouraging me, like, if you want to start doing things another way, you know, come see me because I can figure this out. I can beat them. I already know what you have to do. But I never trusted it because I knew that these individuals had to know what I was about. They had to know that I, you know, not that I'm just so perfect, but just they had to know that I was already avoiding doing things that way. And this is what, you know, this is why I'm giving such a hard time with the way that I'm doing things. Because a lot of people don't want to see me do things this way. Or a lot of people, a lot of people can't stand to see the standards set in that manner. But, you know, I'm doing it like that anyways. I'm doing it that way because I'd rather take the hard way out. I'd rather do the work. I'm not lazy. And so that's also that's been something that's been brought up earlier. Like, you know, you're lazy. It's because you're lazy. And I, I, felt it ref- I, co- I felt it was refreshing. Because I said to myself, you know, they're always calling me lazy. They're always calling me lazy. And the Lord has always told me growing up, every single time they call me lazy, the Lord said, you're not lazy. Every single time they call me slow, the Lord said, you're not slow. Every single time they call me scary, the Lord said, you're not scary. Every time they said, I can't fight, the Lord said, you can fight. Every single thing that they always, that they ever, I've ever been called growing up, the Lord has confirmed that I am not that. Satan uses the people around you. He is such a liar. You have to be guided by God. You just have to because if you listen to this world, you're going to be led astray. And so I'm listening to God in this situation. And the Lord is saying, take this opportunity to see it from a different perspective and see what maybe you can learn in this process about yourself and what needs to be fixed inside of yourself. Because you are not all the way what you need to be or everything that you should be, though you may seem to be more advanced than those around you there is so much more for you to learn out there and you should take this opportunity to learn but stay true to who you are so that's what I've been doing and I already know that you know when it gets to a point where they have to you know make you look like you are somebody that you're not or lie on your name or lie to you or try and weaken your defenses in you know manipulative weak ways You've already won. You've already won. And that's why I don't feel that it's a fair fight or a fair battle. And, of course, I don't want to take it another route because I felt forced in that direction for way too long. And I'm so tired of doing things that way. Like, I kept hearing in the beginning, guerrilla warfare, guerrilla warfare, guerrilla warfare. And I realized guerrilla warfare means violence. It means fighting it out. Always pummeling each other to death. Whoever pummels each other the most wins. I'm tired of doing things that way. 
You know, I wish that we could live in a world where we could use our minds more. We could use our hearts more in situations. And it came down to, you know, actual real ability and capability of being able to handle a situation more correctly or coming to terms in agreement on things where you could have civilized conversations without always being provoked to fight. And I believe and I understand it's not our fault. It's not. It is our fault, but it's not really our fault 100%. Like, we're cursed and we've been deceived. And the Lord has sent me as a vessel to guide our people out of this. And that's what I'm trying to do. So, I suffer a lot and I've been suffering a lot in the process. But I just feel so wrong right now. I've been feeling so wrong for a few weeks now. Like, you are so wrong. That's all I feel like. You are so wrong right now because a small, the smallest, teeniest, tiniest little part of you, you know, almost wanted things to happen a certain way and almost wanted things to be leveled out in certain areas when you already knew that you could have done that on your own if you wanted to, but you didn't because you chose this way. So why would you, you know, take an opportunity now? But the fact of the matter is that I didn't. The fact of the matter is that I do know that. And I do remember that even though it can become, you know, blurry, it can, it can be, it can be, it can become a blur and feel that it's, feel that it's in a distance. You know, the things that you stay true and hold true to when you are constantly submersed in a certain environment. And obviously, that is the goal. You know, people know exactly what we're what they're doing. We'll take this individual who, you know, does things this way and will constantly, you know, overwhelm her with a certain behavior or a certain mindset so that she will, you know, break and become more like that environment that she's in so that we could, you know, eliminate, you know, the, you know, the opportunity or the ability for her to create more like her to start you know a new environment of people more like her who does things more like her because they will be they will have been way more advanced and they will be much more of a threat than someone who would do things this way and I've always realized that and I've known that but obviously you know as I said when you are overwhelmed and submersed into an environment of doing things a different way that you don't do it and you're forced and you are you know really tortured and tormented down a certain path like you don't have really a choice they leave you without almost without choice when you fight so hard to do it the way that you know and stay true to who you are and you're still submersed into a certain environment and you and you you become overwhelmed you know it's either you either you know you either prevail pass it all and succeed in the manner that you're meant to and it takes very hard work a lot of discipline and you have to you almost have to overcome each and every single last person in your environment despite what you're faced with or you become like them or you quit i'm in the middle of being totally honest quitting or you know prevailing because I won't come, I won't become like them. I won't become like them. I won't do things the way that they do things. I won't ever start to see it their way. 
I won't do that. You know, I'm withholding a lot of myself in this situation. And I've been doing this my whole life. And it feels so unfair to still be, you know, surrounded by individuals. Even when it feels that the Lord has sent me to an environment where they should accept me more. Where they finally have accepted who I am and appreciated. I'm still so surrounded by, you know, these environments that are trying to force you to become like them. Or beat you down and get you to quit. And quitting isn't an option. So you have to prevail and you have to fight everybody. You have to overcome everybody around you. And it still feels so unfair because it's like, I felt that I've already done it. You know, growing up and deciding to be who I am, I felt that I've already done that. And I'm just having to do it all over again as if I'm having to you know, grow up all over again, you know, and in the process, raise my people up. It's difficult. So I'm doing my best to be an example. And oftentimes I'm just not being my best. You know, I try my best not to make it often, but I'm sometimes not my best. And, you know, what's really messed up is a lot of times, you know, the Lord will team you up with individuals who will, you know, be absolutely against everything that you are or, you know, your worst enemies, you know. He'll have you fighting right alongside them and you'll have to learn to overcome and trust people who cannot be trusted. But... I'm okay. I know I'm okay. And I know I'll be okay. Because if I've made it this far, then I will make it to the end. The Lord says that I will. I know that I will. So this is never the end for me. No matter how bad it seems that it can get or look. And to my understanding, this situation is supposed to get a lot worse. (sighs) Like, extremely worse. This situation is supposed to get bad. But the thing about it is it's really not the worst situation, though. Like, I understand that the Lord has me on a lot of different missions right now. And in my future, there are way worse situations upcoming. So this is just preparation for how bad it can get. And what I realized is that, you know, with this situation not being the worst as much as it hurts then I have to hold on to my fight and I have you know I have to be willing to keep going I'm I can't be ready to quit right now but this situation just wants to look really bad when it's not as bad as it looks or it seems which hurts me because it's like I don't know We spend way too much time fighting about the wrong issues and wanting the wrong things to be seen or representation, you know? This is not even my words. Like, this is one of, you know, the missions that are, that is like, this mission is kind of like, you know, um, difficult, a little difficult, but... It's going to get so much more difficult. And I see this mission trying to have the potential of wiping me out completely. 
but it's just the beginning it's really just the beginning so i wanted to say like it's somewhere in the middle but i you know it's always just the beginning so i have to trust god on this i have to trust god that it's getting this difficult you know there have been like propositions like you know there's a lot of difficult individuals surrounding me who are actively working against me on every single mission. When I'm on my missions, you know, word is bond. You have to be, you know, honest. You have to stay true to your word. You have to be, you have to show good and true character. Like a lot of people be like, you don't have to do that. You never had to do that. Like you're making it harder on yourself. Why don't you just do it this way? Why don't you just cheat? Why don't you just... And it's like, no, I didn't make it this far doing it this way just to start doing it another way. It's just not how that's supposed to go. So really, you're supposed to possibly come with me if you are meant to encounter me. You know, hopefully, if you really mean a lot or you want to, you know, you're supposed to come this way and start doing things more honestly. But, you know, all together, when it comes down to it, I think that the Lord has even reminded me that, you know, all together, none of this is really where the direction I'm supposed to be going in at all. Like, I'm really supposed to be heading in a direction completely away from all of it. I'm not on a side. You know, I'm on God's side. You know, my future consists of being led and following God, you know for the rest of my life, you know, if he, when he, and, you know, because he is positioning me in a position of leadership, you know, a lot of other people will follow, and I will have impacted a lot of people as his vessel, they will have recognized me for the position he placed me in, but still, this is God running this show, he's in control, I could never lose sight of that and believe that I have, you know, the power, you know, and Satan always wants you to start taking credit for God's work. And I see that being a threat here. It's like, this is your, this, your power, your, you know, by your control, by your leadership, your position, your everything. And it's like, it's not a big part of this entire mission has been remembering, you know, that I'm nothing without God. If not for him, I would not be here today. He's all that I have. And I'm not doing anything. He's doing all of the work. I am just a vessel. You know, Satan, when I battled him in 2020, you know, I noticed that one of his main tactics, one of his most powerful tactics was to get me to take credit for God's work or to call it my power by my hand, by something that I was doing. And it was, it's never me. It's just never me. So I've done my best to keep that in mind and never forget that. You know, I see people attacking that. You know, it's you. It's your power, your army, your people, your assignment, your everything. You know, it's God. 
is God, you know. So ultimately, when it comes down to it, you know, I understand that I don't really have control over the outcome. Whatever the outcome is, you know, I have to accept that in God and I have to move forward trusting him no matter what I've gone through. I've gone through way too much up until this point to lose sight of the fact that no matter what, I have to choose him. No matter what it is, him, I will have to go through that and so much more. So I, oh, I also realize that the tactic, the tactic of war that they may be using here is to make me forget how hard it has been, everything I've had to go through, so that you know it seems or make or looks as if you know things can get easier. And then when it get really hard, it hits me so hard, it can possibly make me quit or walk away. And they're hoping to hit me right when I already feel like I almost want to. Because right before they even showed up, I was already so overwhelmed and tired and fighting all the wrong battles all the time. Because of feeling forced in that direction. Then they show up right then and it's, it's so obvious, you know. Individuals like this are like, you know, we're going to wait until she's weak and tired because we can't take her at her best. And when she's weak and tired, we'll show up at our best. And we will fight her with everything that we have in hopes of taking her out. You know, not to mention we can possibly turn her own people or the people that she has with her against her, possibly make her forget who she is, what she's fighting for, and why this is all worth it, and then we'll have a chance. And me understanding everything that was going along with that, everything that that consist- consisted of, I still took it on anyways because the Lord has called me to be brave as a lion, bold as a lion. And, you know, that's what I'm doing. You know, it's very important just not to lose sight of who God is, you know, at the end of the day, despite what it looks like. Because when it comes down to it, I have not forgotten that none of this, nothing that I'm I'm into right now is really supposed to be. I mean, it is because it's happening, but it really isn't. Like, in the beginning of this entire fight, I was fighting, you know, even being involved in this. Like, I cannot lose sight of the fact that I have to come out of this. This is not, I'm not meant to stay here. This is not, you know, my new life. No, like, I'm being transformed, but this is just a storm I'm in. This is just getting through the fire. This is not where God intends for me to be. I can't see this as a permanent position. I can't stay here. And every single time they try and get me to stay, I realize that, you know, same same battle, same fight, no matter who it is that you're battling or what they come with, it's the same battle, it's the same fight. So use the same tools and the same weapons. You know, the word of God and the truth of God, that's it. You know, they keep me fighting unnecessary battles so that I can never have time for the right ones or the real ones, the ones that matter the most, which is God, you know. But the best part about that is that everything works according to God's good. Everything happens for a reason. Everything that they're doing, they are just setting me up and pushing me in the direction that the Lord intends for me to go in. Like, 
the Lord intends for me to overcome this and make it out of this period, no matter what it is. So everything that they're doing is setting me up for that, no matter how hard it is. With Jesus, he was innocent. He was sinless. He overcame temptation of Satan on that mountain. And Satan said to himself, well, I'm going to have, I'm going to possess all these people around him to deny him as the Messiah, the sent son of God, and crucify him on the cross. And Satan thought that he was winning. But in the process, he walked Jesus right up to his win. So if I'm to be crucified or persecuted, just like my Lord and Savior, they will only be walking me up to, you know, salvation to, you know, my win. I'm a survivor of this. I'm a survivor of everything I'm going through. I'm a survivor of Satan, you know. I'm a survivor of sin because Satan is not nobody. I'm a survivor of sin, and I just hope to find a lot more survivors in the process. I hope that we all can survive this. We, The prophecy states that, you know, the demon which will be killed, and I will kill her. You know, the Lord is going to do it through me, and millions will be freed. That's what's going to happen. Earlier today, I heard a conversation about... Oh, actually, throughout this process, maybe in a couple of weeks, it was like the conversation was. It it looks like a lot of times that Jesus, it looks like a lot of times that they are ruining everything and they have everything down packed and they're winning. And Jesus has the real answer and the real goal and the real treasure so far away from them they are so far off track they're nowhere near it like they can't even get to it they can't even touch it and i've picked up on it like i was walking back home from the store i think it was yesterday and i thought about how they showed up a whole year ahead and they said are you at your lowest are you at your bottom did you hit rock bottom Okay, so I get up and fulfill the prophecy, and they told me the whole everything. And then I didn't hit rock bottom until a year after that. So they are so far away from the goal. They have information, but they don't know the future. Only God knows the future. They've possibly been eavesdropping on information or whatever, however they're getting their information. You know, the Lord is in control. He has it all figured out. So most likely, you know, whatever battle I'm facing or fighting right now is not even the main course. Not even. So I have to keep that in mind and never give up on my Lord and Savior because he has it figured out. He is perfect. He's never lost a battle not once. I just have to stay focused on him. They've been trying to get me to become distracted and encamped with what's going on around me don't you care that these are the things that they're doing don't you care that they are doing they're able to do all of this stuff with your power with your sound with all this other stuff and it's like it's not even a focal point it's not even a goal the real goal is waking the people up the real goal is us you know becoming who we're supposed to be in god the real goal is you know, saving our people, you know, from 
this genocidal generation. That's the real goal. And people lose sight of that. People are losing sight of that. Or they just don't care. But I still do. I can't never lose sight of that. It's in me. It's who I am. So nine times out of ten, I'm fighting all the wrong battles. And I'm too tired. I'm too tired. And throughout this process, I've been, you know, crying out to God, sounding like a crybaby all the time. That's okay. Whining all the time. That's okay. You know, wanting to commit suicide is not okay, but that's okay because it's all part of God's plan for me to overcome these battles I've been facing in my life. He's killing this demon, which I haven't seen my life past 25 years old. That's not because I'm going to die. That's because this ends this, you know, this year, I believe. And maybe they want to prevent that from happening, but I don't believe that they can. Because out of all that they've done throughout my life to try and prevent this from happening, it's still happening right now. You know, they never know what to attack. They never really know what to do when God shows up. He is in control. Only he can handle this, and maybe that's the lesson. You know, step off it. You don't have to have control over it. You don't have to, you know, worry so much or have feel as if you have to be involved in every single little thing, you know, concerning the love, the life of your loved ones, because the Lord has it, you know, covered. And I've been thinking that was the lesson, but I just didn't want to step off. I just don't want to step off because I'm like, I thought I had done that. And I prayed for my family, you know, over the years, so many times. And then this happens where my family is so much involved. It's like the Lord has sent me to save them. And not that it had to happen that way, but it did. And it's played such a big part of me finding out my purpose and my destiny. It's almost as if I'm not supposed to step off. It feels like I'm getting mixed signals or mixed messages, but I'm not. The Lord is not a Lord of confusion. That's what the Bible says. He is not a God of confusion. And I know that he isn't because when he sent me on this assignment, it was clear as day. It was the clearest message I'd ever gotten from the Lord my entire life. So I know that this is where I am intended to be. So... Why do I feel so confused? Because of Satan, of course. I still have to do the work. I still have to stay true to who I am. I still have to trust God, be led by him, and choose only him at all times, above all things, no matter what, you know? But maybe I'm just doing it the wrong way. Maybe I'm being led in a direction that makes me feel as if I have to prove who I am to people when those who matter know so the lord has said a lot about people accepting me and their acceptance of me and i believe that this has a lot to do with that like they may not understand what accepting me looks like they can't accept me so they don't understand how to possibly but maybe this is what that is i spend so much time constantly trying to prove who i am i'm exhausted and maybe this is freeing me of that, or maybe it isn't, you know. It's really up to me. I've had the ability to be freed of this this entire time, so nobody really is stepping in to save me, but 
maybe I was hoping that somebody would and maybe just opened my eyes about that. I don't know. Regardless, you know, I trust the Lord. I trust him. I trust him. I have him always, no matter what people are doing, no matter what's going on. And I think it even was brought into perspective for me earlier that, you know, these individuals around me, they have me fighting their battles for them. And, you know, so they're fighting to get back whatever it is that I fought for them. Whatever it is that I've gained for them. And it's like, when it comes down to it, I know that, you know, you can have that. That's not never what I wanted. That's not even my focal point. That's not my main goal. You know, maybe the Lord has set that up like that so that people will come after that, hoping to take all of that from me, thinking that it's my everything and it'll break me and it'll get rid of me forever. And then... You know, they get to keep that. They get to have that. And I actually walk away with what I was fighting so hard for the entire time. I've been thinking about that. And, you know, I've been saying, okay, so, you know, I get the point of fighting hard for it like it's my everything. And getting attached to it so they believe that. So that I can just give it up. You know, and they think that they want something. But... Also, at the same time, it feels like a lot of the work that the Lord wants me to do is involved with it. So, I don't know if I should give it up, you know, that easily. So, I don't know. It's been brought into perspective. I still trust the Lord. I still trust Him. You know, I know He got me no matter what. He's brought me through this. And I will survive. Like, I will be okay. Nobody's going to be able to take, you know, my destiny. One thing about Satan, he always gets that constant reminder from God, you can't steal my destiny. And from me, you can't steal my destiny. And he can never say anything about it because he can't. He won't. And he knows it. So if this is destined to happen for me, I really don't have much to worry about. I don't think it's me that's worrying anyways. I think that it may be, you know, the pressure of these individuals around me, maybe the demons, maybe other people who aren't so sure. But I'm just doing the best that I can. That's all I can do. Okay, so I felt the Lord led me to watch Practical Magic. Honestly, I remember a word from the Lord telling me to watch out for movies about witchcraft or anything, you know, horror movies like this. Like, for horror movies, I said I would watch out for them. I've always really kind of stayed away from them. I always sensed a lot of reality and a lot of these horror movies that they were based on real life and then with the situation I've been going through lately and the things that I've been seeing and the things that I've been experiencing, I've been connecting a lot of the dots and noticing a lot of the similarities and a lot of the different things that I'm going through. Like Insidious and 
paranormal activity and poltergeist, which the Lord gave me a word on when I was a kid, when I watched poltergeist. I said, Jesus, what is it about this movie that is just screaming at me like it's something that you're trying to tell me? Like, do, do kids really get sucked into the TV? And I remember when I was around five years old, I had this reoccurring dream every single night. Every single night I had this reoccurring dream. It happened over and over and over again. I told my mom, I told my dad, I told my brothers and my sisters, and I told my mom, like, you know, won't go away. I will wake up and I'll come tell her, Mom, I just woke up from this dream. It's the same dream I keep having. I remember for like a week in a row, I would just wake up like, you know, same dream. She like she'd be like, same dream. I'm like, yep, same dream. So in this dream, we're living in our old apartment. And me, my brother, and my sister, we're running up and down the hallway. But we're being chased by a big demon that is like hovering over us. And it's just like growling and breathing really hard and slobbing. And it's really scary and really big. It chases us up and down the hallway and we're laughing. Because like when you're a kid, it's instinct to laugh when someone's chasing you, even when it's not funny. But we're like crying laughing. We're like laughing, but then we're like crying because we're like horrified. So we run up and down the hallway. We run into our room and then we jump in the bed. And on the TV is Rugrats. We always used to watch Rugrats, all three of us together. We was called the three little kids because we're all, we're all a year apart. And at least five years younger than our older brother's. So, all I know is we run and jump in his bed, and when we jump in the bed, the demon runs, and he and he's, like, hovering over us. He's, like, hovering over us. We're watching Rugrats and Angelica. I always thought Angelica was so evil. My sister had a, t- a sweater that had Angelica on it, and she loved it. She would never take it off. She loved Angelica. I thought Angelica was so mean. Because she was in the show. But um, Angelica was on the TV. And we were all watching her. And at first she was just being herself. But then she started talking to us. The TV started talking to us. And she climbed out of the TV. And she turned into this big demon. Other times it would be like scratchy. I believe, if I can remember correctly, it would be scratchy. But the demon always came out of the TV. So it reminded me of Poltergeist. Every time when I watched Poltergeist, I'd ask the Lord. I said, Lord, would that be me? Am I gonna? Am I going to be sucked into the TV? Because I'm always in front of the TV all night. That's how I was as a kid. I could never go to sleep. All throughout the night, I would just sit in front of the TV. And even if it was scratchy, I would leave it on. And I remember the Lord saying to me, it wouldn't be you, it would be your sister. And it reminded me of like, you know, how she really loved Angelica. And Angelica was like luring her, like seducing her to the TV. And she loved Angelica, but that demon it scared the mess out of all three of us and I remember 
they all we all pummeled into the bed and both my sister and my brother every time we would pummel into the bed after this demon they would all be fighting to hide behind each other but i would always end out end up on the outside and i would be right there with the demon right there ready to get me but it would always stop right in front of my face and just like growl and scream at me and i was so scared every single night until I started to become less afraid of it. And I looked it in the face one day. One day I looked this demon in the face. And I just thought to myself, like, you're right here. You're right in my face. You're growling and you're super scared. You could tell I'm so horrified, but you won't grab me. Every single time you're chasing us around, you don't touch us. You never take us. So... You know, as horrifying as it was, because the thing about it was with the demon, when I challenged it, it just like screamed back at me in my face and pulled fear out of me. When it pulled fear out of me, it just kept scaring me. So as I got older, like now, I'm starting to notice the, you know, similarities in a lot of the horror movies and with these demons that are, you know, in the spirit realm and stuff. And I'm started, I put it together and it's like I got a little bit of advice and it seemed like they were saying that the demon feeds off fear, fear. So when you didn't show fear to the demon, the demon was looking at me like, I will never forget this. The demon was looking at me like, wait, aren't you scared of me? And was almost looking at me like I could beat it up, like I could chase it. And I think I remember we chased the demon. We chased the demon a couple of times and went in a few of these visions. So we have power and authority over demons in Jesus Christ. They feed off of your fear. When you are afraid of them, they will will taunt you. They will bully you. They will torture you. They will torment you. You have to be brave and show no fear. You can chase them. You can beat them up. You can really conquer them. You can make them leave. But you have to show no fear. You have to be brave. The Bible says... A wick, the wicked run when no no one chases after them, but the righteous are bold as a lion. You have to be very brave. You have to be bold. You have to challenge that demon. And you have to know who you are in Jesus Christ. Make sure your confidence is in God and not in yourself, though. Also, something I've learned as I got older is that true love breaks any spell. No matter what, true love breaks any spell. What, what I've been going through in the past couple of years with this demonic prince that tried to kill my sister i never thought i would ever experience anything like this in my life but this demonic prince tried to kill my sister and tried to convince me to sell my soul to the devil and tried to convince me that god wasn't real and that i didn't have any real power in god and you know when i got down on my knees to pray for my sister it laughed in my face and it said yes yes Finally, I have you bowing down to me. So it, this demon exposed itself as never really believing that I didn't have power and never really, you know, never really feeling truly confident or stronger than, you know, I was and was afraid of me the whole time. And, you know, it showed insecurities because, you know, it sucks that you have to compare it to real people, but a lot of people, you know, face and battle these demons every day. But, you know, 
this demon needed to feel powerful by me bowing down to it, which is a clear sign that, you know, it has a false sense of power, has no real power over you. You have the real power and you have to stand in it. So when I fought for my sister, our memories of our life flashed before our eyes and we just cried and held each other like we did when we were younger. But it was so rare that we would do that because we were always bickering. But when we got really scared, like super scared, like we didn't know what to do, we would cry and hold each other so tight. Like we would just run into each other's arms. That's what I saw right before I begged God for our life back. And, you know, she came back to us. She came back to me, my mom and my family. She came back to me. She came back to God that day and... I saw that demon melt to the ground as light poured out of my heart and then my entire body. And I saw the holes in my hands from Jesus Christ and Jesus. I heard Jesus' voice. And, you know, he said to me, he'll never leave me. He said, I'll never leave you. So I know that God is real. I know that God is real, and I know that we are protected by God, and I know that these demons do not have real authority over our family, that they are more afraid of us than we will ever be of it. They cannot win. They cannot take my family, and they won't. Satan said to me, you won't be able to get your brother, though. This was before I ever knew that I would, ever, that I would have to fight for my sister back. I talked to the Lord about it, and the Lord said, Satan is a liar. I was worshiping for my brother after my sister, and I went to heaven. I saw myself in a white robe. The Lord sent me back, and he says, you're going to want to get your brother. So I know that we can get my brother. I've been fighting for my brother so hard. You know, it scares me that he is so enticed and tempted by these lies of Satan and promises of fame and fortune and money because, you know, I believe God said it, but it probably was Satan, though, because God does not speak speak to us in this manner. But Satan said, I torture your brother so much more than he can handle because I do not respect him because he tried to cheat. You know, he came to sell his soul to me so that he could be famous and have, you know, money and be, you know, a big famous rapper or something and I don't respect you know anyone who tries to cheat their way out of life he should he should do the work and so I'm going to torture him way more than he can handle and I cried so hard because I saw my brother crying like he couldn't handle it and he couldn't do anything about it and I said you know just because you've exposed that to me and the fact that you would never tell you would never tell anyone anything you know, that they didn't already know because you are counting on our ignorance. Satan feeds on your ignorance. The Bible says that my people perish because of lack of knowledge. Satan would never tell you anything to benefit you. So I realized that because he told me that, he was showing that he was very insecure in ever winning this battle. Ever since I saw Satan guarding my family as they starved and died and cried, you know, they were dying. And he said, you're not going to get your family back. And he was confident, but I had seen him before in this position guarding my family in the beginning, I believe, of that year. 
and he was more confident. So he was less confident that I wouldn't that I wouldn't actually be able to get them back. Jesus stood right next to me on my right side and he helped me. He said, Don't be afraid, don't fear. I'm right here with you. And he cannot hurt you. But you have to fight for them. So he would tell me if I don't fast and pray, I'm eating in their face while they starve and die. And I have been eating since, you know, but I fast and I was fasting and I was praying for months and I felt that I was dying. And so when I was watching this practical magic movie, it's so like realistic. It's so realistic because the sister, you know, they talked about how you cannot bring people back to life because they come back as dark spirits. And the sister, you know, she she called out to her sister in the spirit room. That's exactly what happened with my mother and my sister. For like a year, I heard them calling my name. They would say, pay, 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 pay. And I knew it wasn't calling me out from inside the home. It was in my spirit. And my mother would call my name like she called us when we were younger. She would say my whole government name. And she was calling out to me. And every time I responded, they never heard me. And I I begged the Lord. I said, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? He said, keep praying. Keep fighting for them. They're in the mirror. They're in the walls. And then I was laying on my wall. And one day I noticed, you know, there was a big hole in the wall that had been patched up. And the Lord said that was a portal. And so I fought. I fought all year for them. And I kept fighting for them. And one day I was worshiping. And as I worshiped and sung gospel music out loud with my heart, like sung it very seriously with my heart, my brother, he broke out of the mirror. He got free and he said, yes, yes, I'm out of here. Yes, I'm finally out of here. And as soon as he did that, he was pulled right back in and Satan guarded his way out. And, you know, he started to cry and I said, God, why did that happen? Why why, why can't he be made free? And the Lord said he has to humble himself. He has to humble himself. So I was wrong, too, because I didn't feel that there was anything wrong about his reaction. After all that we had gone through and everything that we were fighting, I felt like he should be that excited and not happy to get out. But you have to, it's about what's in your heart. When you get out, you get on your knees and you thank God for bringing you out of that situation and you humble yourself enough to, you know, understand that you'll never run back to this kind of sin. The Lord showed me after after the deliverance of my sister, he showed me that he pulled a demon off of me. And the second he pulled it off of me, I got up and ran right back to it. Because if he does it for us, we don't understand what it took to stay away from it. And we run right back to it. We have to do it ourselves so that we understand what it takes to stay away from things just like when you work very hard for your money when you work very hard for your money you save it you treat it differently you 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 know you budget correctly as opposed to when someone hands you money for any for nothing you just go and spend it because you don't understand the hard work, hard work that it took to earn it. So that's what it's like earning your salvation. Once God frees you, just frees you, you run right back because you'll understand what it took 
But when you have to work hard and, you know, earn your way out of the sin that you've placed yourself in, then you understand when you want to run back, you understand the importance of staying away from things. So this is something I'm still battling. After everything I've gone through, I'm still running back to sin. I understand that I'm not perfect. I don't like to be too hard on myself because then I get depressed and I want I don't want to even live anymore. But I'm trying. I'm understanding the importance of turning away from sin and never looking back. I was addicted to marijuana for seven years. I have never I haven't touched marijuana ever since the day of that deliverance. I haven't touched hard liquor like vodka because the bible says do not drink hard liquor unless you're sick on your deathbed but wine is fine but you're still not supposed to get drunk i'm still getting drunk off of wine and i need to i need to do better so i'm fighting every day to die in the flesh for christ and to focus and to fight for my family It's just so difficult when I am fighting very, very dark forces. So the Lord had spoken to me. I believe it was last year. He said, Coven, which is Coven. And he called it out and he was saying that I'm fighting an entire witch's Coven. And I started putting things together, but I don't know for a fact, but I believe that this individual who may be involved has paid an entire witch's coven to fight me out of my salvation, to to help them fight me out of my salvation, because they don't want me to. I don't. I don't think that they want me to. You know, be completely delivered of my lifestyle, be transformed forever. I don't think. I don't think so. Other people see it differently. Like, you know, why don't you want to be with this person and? You know, just take this person seriously. But after what my sister has gone through, I believe for this exact individual, I know better. Like, I know better than to deal with this person. So, the Lord did say that it's a maybe on this individual. So, I've been fighting for this person too. But, you know, at the end of the day, I cannot blame anybody but myself because, you know, money does not matter. When it comes to spiritual things, money cannot money cannot keep you away from God. Money can't really do anything. At the end of the day, I do have to take responsibility. It's me. It's what I'm not doing. But I heard them say, like, you know, money has you about to commit suicide. Like, they're paying for this to happen. And when I go and try to get a job, they're paying people off to reject me or they're paying people to, you know, ruin my interview They are paying the banks to shut down my accounts and they lie about it. They're paying, you know, for different things to happen. A lot of people don't believe me. A lot of people don't believe me when I talk about this stuff. You know, it's really messy and messed up. But the Lord says I will be delivered of this situation, that I will defeat this demon witch. And free millions of people. So that's what's on the line. That's why I'm going through such a hard time. That's why I'm suffering on on the level that I'm suffering on. Because millions of people, lives are involved that she's feeding off of. So 
is when it's that big a deal, you have to rise to the occasion. But I will win. The Lord says, I will win. He always tells the truth. He never tells a lie. I've gone through so much. And I hate to implicate people. I hate to, I hate to ask for help. Because the Lord told me I have all the help I need in him. So in this movie, Practical Magic, what they're doing is they are, you know, it's like, nine to 12 women with brooms they're fighting this dark spirit off of her sister and her sister is just like take me just let him take me he says if he takes me everybody else is going to be okay just let him take me and her sister jumps in to the circle with her and their love blasts everybody back light bless everybody back and it saves her sister's life that's exactly what happened that day except for it was me I believe my sister and this demon in Jesus so it's so difficult now though because like things will never be the same you know I, I feel that the movie glorified witchcraft and that's what you have to be careful when you watch movies of witchcraft that you don't feel seduced by these things because it's supposed to be a warning. You know, oftentimes, you know, with the the message in witchcraft is that it's okay to do witchcraft as long as you stay away from certain spells and, you know, love and light breaks through any spell. It's important to just stay in the light stay in God's presence like a lot of witches say well I'm not a bad witch I'm a good witch and I do light spells I do good spells but there there really is no good spell there really is no good spell and I know a lot of people would disagree but it's very it's very bad to glorify witchcraft in any way the Bible says do not do witchcraft but I also want to be clear that you know it's we are not in a position to demonize any witch or judge them. The Lord has, you know, definitely made it clear to me that nobody's in a position to judge anybody but him and he doesn't judge. So you don't judge anybody in their lifestyles and, and especially understand that, you know, if you do feel that somebody is, you know, living this kind of lifestyle witchcraft, you don't go after them. You pray for them. Because if in reality, if you ever really care for them or about what they're doing, the only way to truly save them is to pray for them. You have to let God judge and let God decide what to do with them. If they never come out of their lifestyles, then, you know, that's on them. But you never stop praying for them. From With my sister, so much stuff happened. Like, this, this demon convinced her to kill me. She was trying to kill me. She tried to wipe my entire mind clean, you know, steal my body and destroy my future. And, you know, all by the bad influence and possession of demons, you know. But when it came down to it, I had to know who my sister is. I know her. I've grown up with her. I know the love that we have for each other, and I had to remember that and never give up on her. That's what it took. 
and see through all of the deception of the devil. Knowing who my sister is, no matter what she did or how many lies they told about her or how many, you know, things she even believed about herself. I had to see past it and know who she was. And then I had to see past it and know who I am. Know who you are in the Lord. Find your identity in God. Never lose sight of who you really are because it can really save your life one day. And, you know, never give up on the people that you love. Never give up on love because it was just so many different attempts to get me to run away from my family and leave them. And I wouldn't. I wouldn't run away from them. And I even saw a future vision of me running away from them and getting everything I ever wanted. And it was like, I don't think that there's anything in the world my family could do to make me ever want to run away from them forever. I love them too much. We are in this for life. I've always been taught that we're always going to be family no matter what. Other people may come and go, but your family is there forever. So I fought for my family. I'm still fighting for my family every day. And I have confidence that we're going to overcome this situation no matter what it looks like. Even though I have a word from the Lord that says my family may never accept me. But that's okay because I love them. I love them. And, you know, some people say it's messed up for your family to never accept you. Sometimes it can be difficult for people to see you differently from what you've always been. Like, I'm a demon hunter. I hunt demons. From what my family have seen, my you know, me growing up and how awkward and, you know, unique I am. You know, it's difficult for them to see me as this demon hunter, you know, that is supposed to kill this big demon, which that has enslaved millions of people. Like, that's very difficult for them to see me in that light and really accept that that is, you know, my destiny in life. But it is. And it doesn't mean that I have to, you know, let them go. It just it just means I have to rise to the occasion and I will and I am because the Lord says that I will. So. I just, I'm fighting, and I'm doing my best to have confidence in the Lord that he will deliver me, deliver my entire family of this situation, and millions of others as well. We're still battling, you know, deception and lies. You know, the main goal here is to turn my family against each other, and I believe that the only reason that they will be attacking my family so much because that's true love, and true love breaks demonic deception and spells. So I never encourage this because Jesus is true love. God is love. If you want real power to cut through darkness and be free of it for forever. You need Jesus Christ. He does that. He is the answer. And I never encourage this, but I will say that if you believe, you know, if you're not, if you're not necessarily a believer in Jesus Christ and you don't necessarily want to choose Jesus Christ, or you don't necessarily want to abide by the Bible, true love, real love, like you have to know that it's real love. Well, you'll know it. Real love cuts through any darkness. It's happened before. 
I was in love with this guy. And the Lord has shown me that spells were placed on our relationship to break us up. And because we were in real love, it was it didn't work. It cut right through it. So, I don't want to villainize anybody or demonize anybody, but witchcraft, Satan, these different things, they can be extremely dangerous. They can get out of hand so quick. It's just best to hold on to Jesus and never lose sight of who God is. So... It's difficult for me because I still feel like, you know, my sister is influenced by a lot of this stuff and my family is still being influenced by a lot of this stuff. And I'm doing the best that I can to hold on to God for my family and cut through a lot of this stuff. But I'm still here, like, I'm still here begging God to free my brother. Begging the Lord to keep my sister free. Begging the Lord to keep us away from these things and free us forever. And every future that the Lord has shown me, my family is not there. But for me to see a future with an individual that plays such a big part in, you know, the almost death of my sister, it doesn't feel right. And the Lord has given me wisdom and discernment. And so, I know that I have to use it for this situation. You know, I saw a vision recently, and it's been on my heart lately. And in this vision, it was just like, this woman had had hired me as her babysitter. We went on a road trip, and her Tesla was, like, self-driving on the road. It was so beautiful. It was nice. And we were at her home. It was so beautiful. And she was just saying, like, this is my business. She made a business out of translating the Bible. I thought that was wonderful. And her business was so God-centered. And so this, her husband came home, and he was like, I will pay you this money to come take a picture with your sister. And I was like, okay, like what kind of picture? You know, we've taken, we just had photo shoots, photo shoots together before. But they were trying to pay us to do like sexual stuff together in a photo shoot. And I was like, absolutely not. But I followed this man outside. And when I got out there, my aunt and my sister was in a car. And. You know, he was offering me, like, seven figures to, like, you know, ruin this woman's marriage. He said that she was married. She was remarrying a new man. And he needed somebody to, you know, infiltrate their relationship and ruin it without her knowing. And he was offering me seven figures to do it. He was like, it's fine. You don't even know her. And I was like, I could never... You know, sit in someone's house pretending to be their hired help and be actively sabotaging their relationship or their life. That's so wicked. And I, I'm just not the kind of person, like, my heart goes out to people, 
you know, like, could I really sit in your face and live a double life? I couldn't. Like, it's difficult. Like, that's just extremely wicked. And I think that even if you're doing it to somebody you don't know or you don't feel like it's a big deal, it drags your soul down, it drags your character down, it weighs down on you. The guilt is too heavy, it's too dark, it darkens your heart, and it turns you into somebody else. And I don't think, you know, you shouldn't do something like that for you, you know, especially for not for someone else, but but for you. But I turned it down, and I remember in the vision they were saying, you've already won, you've already won, you know. And then I woke up, when I woke up, they were they were talking. Everyone was talking. They were like, you know, just take this guy right now and just listen, just be with this guy and, and let go of your family. Like, they're all being paid, you know, I promised a seven-figure payout in order to ruin this marriage proposal. So just accept him and take it and go. And I'm like, no, because I cannot forget how they tried to get me to run and they almost paid me $2 million. They, they tried to pay me almost $2 million before I knew to, to leave my sister and let her die. Money can't, money doesn't move me. Money doesn't move me. And so imagine if I had only seen the money when they offered, me t- offered it to me two days before I even knew that I was going to have to fight for my sister's life. I would have never known that that money would have taken my sister's life. That money would have been my soul, my sister's soul, possibly my mother's soul, and then my unborn niece who was in her belly. You know, I would have never known that that money was for that. You know, so I have to trust my gut on this. I have to trust my heart. Though the heart can be deceitful, the Bible says the heart can be deceitful. I have to trust my heart in it, on this. And my heart says no to this guy. No to this marriage proposal, no to this future, no, you know, it doesn't make sense to me how after a year of torture, of hearing this guy's name over a million times, and him laughing in my face, and the Lord showing me that he made my stepbrother my knight because he protected me from this guy, this guy tried to get me to sell my soul to him, I chose Jesus over him. And then when it came down to it, he was the one who was lying to my sister and pretending as if he was interested in her just to tear her down and make her feel bad about herself and trying to take her life. And then when her life was spared by God, now he wants to come after me? No. No. You know, and I fight this every single day day every single day I fight this it's on a mass level it's on a mass level this is on a big level I know it and it's so difficult for me because I don't feel like I'm just fighting him I feel like I'm fighting everybody around him who supports his behavior and is encouraging him to behave in this manner or gets away with this stuff every day, all the time. So, I know the Lord is using me as a vessel. 
he said to tell Satan, I'm a chosen vessel. Right before the light blasts out of my heart and through my body. Just like Michael. When Michael was almost defeated by Satan. But the Lord empowered Michael for his love and obedience to God. And blew Satan out of heaven down to hell. That's exactly what happened for my sister that day. I have to trust God. I have to choose God no matter what. Because that has been the only thing that's been sparing our lives. Even when we don't understand that our lives are at stake. So, no. And, you know, if it's meant to be when the Lord sends me somebody who's truly meant for me. I pray that it will never involve anything demonic or satanic. There will be no money offered for my soul. There will be no choosing them over my family. There will be no choosing them over my faith in God. It will be so clear. No confusion. The Lord is not a God of confusion. I know better. And even though the Lord has given me a word on this person and said, maybe, maybe they'll make it in the rapture. I'm, I'm still going to trust my heart. And I'm going to stay away from this individual because I don't believe that it ever, it's ever meant to happen this way. This is not real. This is not safe. And... Also, at the same time, this individual, you know, on the day of the deliverance, right before, you know, my sister was freed, you know, claimed to never even have known me. Even though I saw a vision of this individual with me and in the future, having given up on my family and run away with this individual right next to me, having proposed to me. And then the entire year, all I would hear was this individual's name, their stage name. And then I saw this individual multiple times trying to manipulate me into falling in love with them. And then selling my soul to them. Or to the devil for them. And then every single time I get close to breaking this demonic presence off of me, they pretend as if they were never here. It's so many red flags, but I wouldn't have known it. If I didn't already choose God, if I didn't already choose love, if I didn't already know, you know, who my family is and that we are never meant to be away from each other. We're never meant to give up on each other. You know, if I didn't stay true to what I know and who I am, I would have never known it until it was too late. So not to mention, I've already even seen a... Warning, like I've already seen this go badly with my sister. I should know better. You know, there's no reason for, you know, my life to be in danger. You know, after hers already spared by God due to mercy and grace. Because as much as God loves us, he doesn't have to save us from our sin or the consequences of it. He doesn't have to. He's not obligated God is not obligated to save us. He does that because he loves us. But it's not guaranteed. So 
The Bible says, do not test the Lord your God. I won't test him on this. I won't say, oh God, if you love me, well, I'm just going to run to this demonic prince and marry him. And then if you love me, you'll just save me. He is saving me right now. He's saving me by showing me who they are and having me hold on to him and be transformed in him and knowing who he is and fighting these demonic spirits and showing me who I really am in him. Find your identity in God. There is no good witchcraft because all of it is false God worship is a direct, you know, it is a direct, you know, violation of the Ten Commandments and it puts you in danger. It might not seem like much like, oh, let me just sprinkle a little this on somebody's food or let me just, you know, cast a little spell and, you know, hope that this person's mind is changed about something or this wish comes true. Wish on God. Pray to God. If you want something to be done, the Bible says, ask anything of the Lord and you shall receive. You choose God no matter what. You never worship false gods, ever. And witchcraft is false god worship. So, not to mention there is this judge who shouldn't even be a judge. They're wicked. And they have cast a lot of wicked ju- a lot of, a lot of wicked judgments, excuse me, at the expense of others. The Lord has sent me here to use me as a vessel with a message. You will repent and be judged. If you don't repent, you will just be judged. An opportunity at repentance is so much better than just being judged. No matter how much pride in the world. You don't take that opportunity, you're a fool. But I'm going to be careful what I call people because the Bible says to call someone a fool is to be in danger of hellfire. But the Bible also says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So, it's the beginning of wisdom, excuse me. So, if you do not fear the Lord, the Bible says you're a fool. That being said, um... It's difficult, but the Lord says I can do it, and I will do it, so I will. And I'm fighting, you know, every single day for me, for this individual as well, who has, you know, seemingly played a big, such a big part in a lot of this deception and torture of my family and my life and so many others, and this judge as well, and everybody else. You know, the Lord has called me to be extremely transformed humble forgiving accepting understanding and aware so he's giving me wisdom to lead his people and i pray that i am using or exercising it correctly because i make mistakes i'm still backsliding into sin i'm not everything i could be he's not always responding to me because i'm still full of sin And 
But I do know that I've never been closer to the Lord. My purpose and destiny has been revealed. And he's given me a people to guide and lead and a mission to revise them. And I won't give up on it. I won't give up on God. I can't run. I haven't ran since it started. And I've had a million reasons to every second of every day. I won't run away from my family. I won't run away from these people. I won't run away from God. So This movie was beautiful because it was very reflective of what I'm going through. But it seems so much simpler than my life right now. As hard and as difficult as it was to deal with that with my sister. At least for them it was over after that. For us to just keep going. My brother seems unrepentant. And my family still won't accept me. And these forces are still fighting me every day. This demon witch must still be on the loose because she's controlling these people. And I'm fighting so hard. I'm fighting depression. I'm having to accept that my family will never be the same again. Things will never be the same again. They can never go back to what they were. And I'm fighting my own sin and my own self because I'm also, you know, influenced and possessed by sin. So... doing the best that I can I'm not doing the best that I can but I'm trying I understand that to whom much is given much is required but it's so difficult to be perfect It's so difficult to be perfect. Sometimes I get upset and I say, how could the Lord expect that of me? He was the only perfect person to have ever existed in this entire world. I can never be perfect. But if the Lord expects that of you, then you can be because he's always right. He's never wrong. So anything he expects of you is obtainable and can be done. And you have to trust him and you have to rise to the occasion because it's in you. The Lord knows you. And I wasn't anything like what I am when it started. I couldn't have imagined the things that I've gone through happening, but they did. I'm extremely transformed. I have more work to do, but it will happen like the Lord said it would. Five years ago, he said exactly what's happening, what happened, and it's happening. I trust him. He's always right. And as difficult as this is, the Lord says it's going to be good for him. So, I have that to look forward to.
I'll just have to focus on guarding my heart and guarding my mind and doing my best to guard my family's heart and guard their minds and guard these people's hearts and guard their minds because like the Lord has given me everybody's heart and I have to guard it from this demon witch and she's fighting me for their hearts so that she can torture them this is extremely difficult but as the Lord said it will be harder than it's ever been but then good forever and don't worry about the how that it will happen this will happen the Lord is the truth I trust him I believe him 